The people in the city of Roxbury, Massachusetts, had been going to this market for years. They had put up with the low quality of food that was sold, but nothing was worse than the meat that was sold there. The people in this community decided that they had had enough and they began to picket this door day after day after day. They wanted some kind of result. They wanted things to be different at this market. They wanted justice to be done. Have you ever been in a situation where you knew it was not right, where something was wrong, where injustice was being done? Well, today, in our story, in this parable, we will see of a woman who noticed that, but refuses to be silent. Please pray with me. Gracious God, we thank you so much for this time. God, we thank you for the words that have gone forth, for the singing. God, we thank you that we get to worship you today. God, I ask that you will continue to fill our hearts and our minds and our souls with your words. That, God, your spirit will continue to illuminate all through this sanctuary. And, Lord God, I pray for me that your anointing will be upon me and that you will give me the words that you have given me to speak. Lord, I pray that you will slow my tongue and that, God, I will speak with truth and with love. In your name we pray, Almighty God. Amen. Luke, whose name who never appears in this gospel, has always been identified as the author of this book. Luke was a physician and a very, very careful observer. Why is this gospel so important? Chuck Swindoll says that Luke's interest in people is undeniable. Luke's portrayal of Jesus reveals in our Lord a man who came to minister and show compassion to all people, no matter what their situation was in life. Prayer is a central theme of the Gospel of Luke. Our story begins this morning with Jesus Christ wanting disciples to understand they should always pray and never give up. And prayer is the central theme of our topic here today as well. So Jesus shares with them a parable. Often we believe this parable would be a story about if we pray for things over and over again, if we pray without ceasing, things will come true. But usually we sort of kind of phrase this into things for ourselves, for our loved ones, for our families. But this gospel goes a lot deeper. This parable this morning goes a lot deeper. You see, this parable is about justice. It's a parable that speaks to having justice being done. It's a parable that focuses us to take our eyes off of ourselves and to focus, our, to focus it on other people who are experiencing injustice. The word justice defined in the Oxford Dictionary means just behavior or treatment, a concern for justice, peace, and genuine respect for people. We all deserve justice, and we all want respect from one another. 
no matter of our race, gender, culture, or sexuality. The judge in our parable is described as a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. This judge was a very, very dangerous man. He had no fear of God. He didn't care what people thought. In other words, he did whatever he wanted to do without there being any consequences. There was no accountability for him because he, people were afraid of him. There was no accountability for him because he didn't care what people thought. He was going to do exactly what he wanted to do. I'm sure we have all known people like that. People like this come in many different titles. They may be a teacher, a boss, family member, or friend, police officer, pastors, mayors, governors, congress, congresspersons, senators, presidents of a country, or even a judge like in our story. I remember when I was on staff as a new associate pastor at a church. It was not one of our Presbyterian churches. I was in my office one day, and the senior pastor asked me to come into his office. I entered his office, and he asked me to shut the door. He was sitting behind his desk, and he did not invite me to have a seat. He said to me, you do not ever want to make, make me angry. You don't ever want to get on my bad side. Do you understand that? And after he said that to me, he invited me to leave the office and to close the door behind me. I went back to my office and I was literally shaking. I didn't understand why would he say something like that to me. I could not figure out what I did. But I do know he took charge and wanted me to fear him and reminded me that I needed to stay in my place. People feared this judge because they knew that he was like and they dared not approach him. But you see, this widow was not afraid of this judge. She was not afraid because she was just sick and tired of injustice being done to her. Or maybe she was afraid, but she was just tired. She was just tired and said that I am not going to let fear or what may happen determine my outcome of my life or control my life any longer. I love this story about the widow and the unjust, unjust judge. Perhaps you are wondering why I love this story because of the courage of the widow in this story. The widow who they called poor and powerless. Widows had a difficult time in Palestine. The wife of a deceased husband had no legal right to inherit estates, her husband's estate. If she was married to him, he had no, she had no weight or meaning in the court system. We get an idea in this story that this widow was being mistreated. She knew what was due to her, and she was not going to sit around and be silent. She was not going to be afraid of this judge. A woman who was a long-distance driver decided to get a dog for protection for the long days and nights that she was away from her home. As she studied a likely candidate, the breeder told her 
I must warn you that he doesn't like men. Perfect, she thought, and promptly bought the dog. Sometimes later, she was leaving a transport cafe. Two men approached her in the car park. She watched to see how her new bodyguard would react. It soon became clear to her that the breeder hadn't been joking because as the men got closer, the dog ran under the nearest car and hid. Sometime later, as she was, <clears throat> well, this widow was not afraid of the man, the powerful and unjust male. She had no intention of running away from him or hiding under a table because she was afraid of him. In spite of her being poor and powerless, she did not let this stop her from pursuing justice. The woman continued to come to the judge in spite of knowing what type of judge he was. Our text says that the woman kept coming and coming, not just one time, but over and over again. She would approach the judge and say to him, grant me justice against my adversary. Grant me justice against my adversary. Can you imagine the scene here in this town? Everyone, everyone probably knew her, and they were all familiar with her story. But here she comes to this judge, wanting justice being done. I can see her now coming to the courtroom, standing in the back, or even perhaps going up to the judge's stand and saying, grant me justice against my adversaries. I can see her following the judge wherever he went that day, maybe for breakfast or lunch, and pounding at the window saying, grant me justice against my adversaries. Following him day after day after day, even to the restroom, banging on the men's door and saying, grant me justice against my adversaries. Standing up for justice is not an easy task, especially if you are poor, a person of color, a woman, gay, lesbian, or transgenders. In 2018, North Dakota Native Americans were fired up for voting for after a fraught battle over identification, an attempt by the state's Republican officials to bar indigenous people from voting. But in spite of this, they committed to fighting for their right to vote but there were several setbacks along the way. In their latest setback, North Dakota's Secretary of State tried to suppress their voting rights, so they sued. Supreme Court ruling and last judge's ruling required us to, to cried us what would take six months to get it done within a week. They won their right to vote by not having their vote suppressed. Tribal representatives were present and available at the North Dakotaing stations to make sure members weren't turned away from voting. One spokesperson said it shouldn't take a court to change the voting law. It should be the good people of North Dakota saying, this isn't right. We're used to losing in court, but we're also used to coming back and winning. It ain't going to stop us, he said. In the face of even diversity, they did not let this stop them. They continued to demand justice day in and day out. 
So what do we see in our parable next? The judge finally, finally gives up. He has had enough of this widow pursuing him day after day after day and not holding back. The judge even says this, that even though I don't fear or care about God or what people think, yet this widow keeps bothering me. I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come back and attack me. In the original Greek text, this reads as this, because this widow causes me trouble, I will vindicate her. At least in the end, coming, she won't exhaust me. I saw a sign the other day in the office of one of my colleagues at, the, at, the, at Grady, and the sign said, overly dramatic people are so exhausting, even my eyes are exhausted from rolling them. You get that, rolling? Okay, all right. You're getting it the first one, so I'm wondering if you got this one here, so that's good. Can't you just see how this judge now rolling his eyes over and over again? Oh, here she comes again. Oh, she's coming once again. She had worn him out physically, emotionally, and spiritually, even though he denied he didn't believe in God. She had gotten to him. She had worn him down. He could not take it anymore. He was losing sleep. He was probably jumpy and anxious because, oh, here she comes again, not knowing when she would show up. So he finally said, I am tired. I'm done with this. I will give you whatever you want. He declared to her he was spent. Some people, some people in this town may have thought that this widow was being overly dramatic with her persistence, asking the judge, grant me justice for my adversaries. But it got her what she wanted. It got her justice. In the original text, in the original Greek text, the word vindicate is also used, meaning proven right or justified in doing something. Hear this again. The word vindicate is also used, meaning proven right, right are justified in doing something. In the end, the poor and powerless woman was proved that she was right for what she did. Her courage and persistence of coming to the judge over and over again was truly the right thing to do. You see, the main issue in this parable is just that. You can't wear God out, but you can wear injustice out. Hear me again. You can't wear God out, but yes, you can wear injustice out. You can wear injustice out by your continued cry for justice. You can wear justice out by standing up for injustice. You can wear justice out by speaking out for those who are constantly marginalized in this country day after day after day. Friends, it is impossible to wear God out when you're praying to God, asking God for changes in this world that appear to be going in favor of the rich and powerful and less in favor of the poor and the marginalized. And those who are oppressed because of the color of their skin, their socioeconomics, being a woman, being gay, being transgender are not having a voice to speak out for themselves. The powers of greed and injustice are continuing to climb in this country. You see it every day when you watch and TV about the things that are going on in our country, 
And you may ask yourselves, I can't believe this is happening in the United States of America. Some of you may cry out, oh, where, oh, where is justice being done today? Oh, why is injustice seeming to be running away and no one, and no one is saying anything? Representative Elijah Cummings, who is known for his powerful stand for injustice and standing up to the rich and powerful, died this week. One of my favorite quotes by him is this, I want justice, oceans of it. I want justice, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. I believe, this is what all, this, I believe this is what we all should be asking for. We should all be asking for justice, oceans of it. We should all be asking for justice, rivers of it. We should all be saying, I want justice. That's all I want is justice. Especially for those who say we're Christians, followers of Christ, those who believe in the good news of Jesus Christ and the church. We should be saying, I want oceans of justice, rivers of justice. All I want is justice. The, one, the widow in this parable has given the title of poor and powerless, but she is anything but poor, she is anything but powerless. She may be poor, but she is definitely not powerless. She was not afraid. She did something that many Christians and churches don't even have the courage and conviction to do. She stood up for justice. Jamar Tisby, in his book, The Color of Compromise, talks about Martin Luther King and his book, Letters from the Birmingham Jail. He talks about how the ministers came after him and said to him, you know, you need to slow down what you're doing. You need to wait and let the system take its charge on how things work. I want to read from you an excerpt of that today. And it says, the letters from white Christians, moderates, illustrates the broader failure of the white church, a failure to recognize the daily identity of American racism and the urgency of the situation demanded. The clergy, the clergy likely had good intentions, but they did not realize that talking and negotiating for which they advocated had been attempted and yielded no progress. They denounced the violence that direct action would supposedly initiate in sight but they did relatively little about the countless lynchings, church bombings, and beatings black people across the nation suffered at the hands of segregationists. They were overly cautious when the circumstances demanded a measure of outrage and contagious confrontation. In general, this approach exemplifies how many Christian moderates during the civil rights movement and today, I threw that in, Responded promoting, promoting gradual approach to resolving racial issues and minimizing suffering and hardship of the marginalized who had been waiting centuries for justice. It wasn't just back then, it is still now today. We still see people who are oppressed. 
It may be fancier covered up and other things. We still see folks who are marginalized and we're seeing it more today than ever before and still we sit. We call ourselves the churches. We say that we're out there acting. We say we're a church that's open and progressive, but yet at the same time we find ourselves still being silent. The white church has always been overly cautious about when it comes to issues of racism and injustice. But Jesus had never been cautious about this issue. Jesus finishes this parable with these words. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and they get it quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, we find faith on earth. You see, Jesus has always been about justice. And that is why when you come to Jesus over and over again about injustice issues that you see and asking Jesus to give you strength to stand up in justice, to not be afraid, he will answer your prayer. It may not happen right away, but he will. But you must have that courageous, courageous confrontation to do that. You must be willing to step out of side your comfortable world that you live in. You must not be afraid to say that I see injustice and it's not right and I want to change it. It doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are. It doesn't matter that you say I've waited too late. No, you have a place. Jesus Christ is saying, I have always been someone, proponent of justice. I want to read you a final quote of Elijah Cummings that I like. And he says this, when we are dancing with angels, the question will be asked in 2019, what did we do to make sure we kept our democracy intact? I want you to hear this again and hear the words of 2019. When we are dancing with the angels, the question will be asked in 2019, what did we do to make sure we kept our democracy intact? Did we stand on the sidelines and say nothing? Jesus asked this same question to the disciples the ending of this parable. He says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on this earth? Meaning, will he find the people in the church who just sat on the sidelines and said nothing? What will he find when he comes back? Will he, will he find people like the poor and the powerful widow who recognized injustice and would not take no for an answer? What will he find when he comes back to this church? Are you willing to keep coming back to Jesus over and over again and demanding justice for those who are entreated unjustly? Are you willing to have courageous confrontation and to come out of that comfort zone and to call and say, Jesus, I don't want to be that way anymore. And as you sit here, I hope you are deeply thinking about this. 
Because it's not enough that we are a progressive church. It's not enough that we think of ourselves as liberal. It's not enough that we think of ourselves as, oh yes, we're open to people who are gay and, you know, we love all that stuff. But it's more than just that. You must be willing to stand up and speak out. What will Jesus find when he comes back? Will he find you as one of those who sit on the sidelines? Or will he find you like that powerful widow who had contagious confrontation and stood up for what she knew was right? And I ask you the question once more time. What will Christ find when he comes back and looks at your life? I hope he won't find you sitting on the sidelines. I hope he will find you as a courageous, confrontational person who stood up for justice at all costs. Amen.